White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 766. Hey guys, this is Cole Kublik from WJOX in Birmingham and the SEC Network, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. The basketball is good. The football, we got to talk. The AU Wishbone is next. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. From the Black Curtain Line studios of White Rocket in Southern Illinois and Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast, John, and it's the least favorite episode I think I've ever wanted to do. How are you tonight? I'm I'm hanging in there, man. Yeah. That's saying something because we started this podcast in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we've come full circle, full circle. Van used to refer to this as going to the dentist. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's really how I wanted to promote our brand new, exciting Auburn podcast was going to the dentist, but that's kind of what it was like for a while, which made 2013 all that much sweeter. But now, and, and hopefully that'll be the case with 2024, but now we just got to get through the rest of 2023. We know that hope is on the horizon. I think things are going to get better. We're going to talk about that. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. All right, we got to do it. First things first. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> not so much tonight. It's uh, it's as I as I said repeatedly last week. It's a trap. Yeah, little bit. It's a trap. L- little bit, a little bit of a trap. And um, I'm gonna go ahead and retire the most recent hate week. I'm never playing that again. In fact, there's gonna be a clear gray blank spot on the soundboard now rest in peace soundboard square are we there are we i thought that i thought you were skipping canceling the fun meter for a moment no no i'm curious to hear where your fun meter is located today it's a tough one um yeah i you know if i i'll be honest friday night it was a you know it was a it was a night Mm -hmm. like the basketball was so fun oh yes and then the football was the opposite of fun. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to say it's about a two and a half right now. Well, there was a time not too many years ago that mine would be about a negative seven right now. Mm-hmm. But um, with deference to the basketball team, I'm going to say it's about a one. But yeah. I have a lot to say about my contribution to tonight's show, other than pushing these buttons and being the trained monkey here at the controls, my main contribution tonight, I think, is is probably going to be. Why you can the monkey boy? Besides that, is um, I have a I have a kind of a statement, a position paper, as it will, as it were, and then after that, we'll see how it goes. But oh, by the way, our, our good friend of the show, Willie Carden, wanted to make sure his email got through to you. So hopefully, you've got. Uh, 
you've got that in your pocket. So okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. So you make a you have a good question here that you put in our show notes. How did you feel late in the game and after the game? And let's what are what are your options? Let's walk through that a little bit. Here's the options I gave Van to pick from: angry, resigned, embarrassed, sad, numb. Now I'm talking about in the like this fourth quarter. Yeah. And the hour or two immediately after the game, how did you feel? Not tonight. All right. Well, we'd seen that. All right. After. At, all right. Let's put it this way. At halftime and maybe even through the third quarter, I was thinking, we've seen this movie way too many times. I first thought it's one of those struggle wins. Then I thought, oh, it's one of those Utah State, Jacksonville State, Georgia State. Yes. We if it has state in the name, New Mexico State. We need to quit playing teams that have state in the name. I think that's our first order of business. But um I thought it was going to be one of those and I started thinking are we going to get the miraculous onside kick recovery? Are we going to hit like a 80 yard I th- I thought we'd get a punt return, a kickoff return, a, a long pass, you know. It usually it usually comes down to our athletes can make a play on their athletes. You know what I mean? Our superior yeah. athletes. When when nothing else is going right in a game like that, it usually comes down to, I have a guy you can't stop. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, against Jacksonville State, it was Barber in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, against Utah State, it was that crazy onside kick. Or whatever, when we scored, you know, the, to the, one of our receivers caught. Maybe Ricardo Lewis or somebody caught it. Um, I don't remember. The, I guess the other one was was TJ. I mean, um, TJ Finley rallied us, right? Yeah, coming right. Come in at the end and make right. some plays, making some plays. Down the field. That's right. So yeah, usually, you know, so that's what I was thinking was going to happen. I was just, I was watching it. I had a sense of dread. Mm-hmm. As I Red did in is all, a good word. as Red I did, is a good word. Yes, as I did in all of those games. But I also had a hundred percent confidence we were going to win, even though I had constantly warned, you know, for days and days and days. I kept saying, I kept saying that, but I still thought we were going to win. And so I was, you know, as the fourth quarter got going, I was mulling over which kind of a thing are we going to, how are we going to pull it out? What are we going to do? Because we're going to pull it out. We're obviously going to pull it out. But how, right? What will be the means by which we go from 10 to 7 to 14 to 7 or 13 to 7 or whatever, you know? And then they scored, and I'm like, man, now we've got to, ugh. We kicked that field goal, so we were within two scores. I'm like, all right, it's getting a little harder, but we got to do this and do this. And then once the clock got to like around five minutes and we were still down at least two scores, that is when I first said to myself, self? <laughs> You know, we're not going to win this game. And then I thought, oh, come on. Yeah, we are. And I said, no, self, really. I, you know, I think it was probably with about between five and seven minutes to go that reality began to dawn on me that, that they, New Mexico State was playing really well. And I want to make this point, John. I have a whole bunch of things to say, but I'm, it's coming up organically. I'm just going to mention it here. I'm not saying New Mexico State is a great team. I know who they lost to. I know they lost to UMass or whatever. Fine. That's fine. And and they may not win another game. They may lose their season finale. They may lose in their conference championship game. They might, you know, lose a bowl or whatever. That's fine. I don't know. They may never win another game in the history of the program. I don't know. But what I'll tell you is this. 
with the matchups that they had apparently on Saturday against us, okay, with the matchups they had, with the motivation they had compared to their opponent, us, and playing the way they were playing on Saturday, they could have beaten every team we've beaten this year and a couple we lost to. Now, again, I'm not saying they're a great team. And, again, they may not win another game. But the way they were playing on Saturday against us, defense as well as offense, with that quarterback and those receivers making plays, they could beat any team we've beaten, 100%. And they could give a couple others a run for their money, too. I think that's fair. I think they're a good team. Um, But I think the other part of it matters, too, the part about how we played. Yes, absolutely. They're a good team, and they played well. They were well-prepared, well-coached, and executed well in that game. Yep. So angry, resigned, embarrassed, sad, numb. Um, So I guess what I was getting at is with about five and a half minutes to go in the game, I went to resigned, angry all along that it was even coming to that, definitely embarrassed, sad, and then I kind of had, you know, all right, Numb, you have to define numb because there's the numb of I've been hit over well, the head with a hammer, yeah, and there's the numb there's of I'm the, just not worried about it. Well, there's the, I think, numb of the shock. Yeah. Like, what just happened? Yeah. I see, because here's the thing, and this is what I'm going to talk about in a minute. I just don't allow myself anymore to feel bad. I, I don't have time for it in my life. I just, I don't. I just don't. I'm sorry. And so I never really felt numb. I kind of went from angry, embarrassed, and resigned to time to watch the last episode of Loki. Yes. Like when you say you don't allow yourself time to feel bad, you mean you don't allow yourself time to feel bad about the results of sporting events. Yeah. I just, I'm not going to sit around. When I was younger, I would be just distraught for days. I'd be upset, angry, and unpleasant to be around for days. Yes. Now I just go in my closet the next morning, and instead of the Auburn stuff I normally put on, you can see what I wore to work today, I go to the black. How many times on here have I said I have two kinds of clothing, (laughs) Auburn stuff and black, and I wear black when Auburn loses. So I had on my my black hoodie and my black tennis shoes today. That's it. I mean, that's that's my way of dealing with it is I just don't. You know, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But wh- how did you feel? What 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 kind of five stages of New Mexico State did you go through? Well, I, I'm going to say I I much earlier in the game than five minutes left. I really felt we were going to lose. I felt strongly that we were because of the way they controlled the ball and the way we were playing. It, there was no miracle pill coming. There all was, right, all right, no all right. Happened. Let me let me address that then because that's an excellent point. Here's why. Because we've always done it. We always have. I had no reason to think that that this was going to be any different from those others. We always find a way. So to me, the really shocking thing was not just that we lost in general to a team like that. The shocking thing to me was that it was the first time we didn't find a way to come back against a team like that. We've always found a way to come back. I mean... We've been in nail biters with with cupcake teams going back to Pat Dye and Doug Barfield and Shug Jordan. But we've always, except for the Southern Miss, and I've said this many times, people pull out that Southern Miss, those Southern Miss games. One had Brett Favre. You can't count that. We're going to talk about that one. Yeah, and the other one, they were a good team back then. So, all right, I'm sorry. I just that 
But you were talking about how you, I felt earlier in the game that we were going to lose, and you were talking about the comeback. You felt the comeback was coming, and this was you were shocked that there was no even. I was shocked there was no comeback. Of, spark of comeback. Yes. Yeah. When we scored the touchdown, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's on now. We're rolling now, and that was it. We cut the field goal, and McPherson comes through again. It's a machine. Remains one of the bright spots. But no, I was just, I was just. I didn't feel like we were actually going to lose until I realized we didn't have enough time left to realistically get enough scores given how we were playing. And when they scored that last touchdown, I'm just like, yep, whip, yep, whip, whip. So how do you feel now? Again, I'm like you, many years of painful experience, I do not allow myself to wallow in misery and be unhappy and be unpleasant because I... Life is too short. I have family. Short. I have a job. I got other stuff I got to do, and life is too short. And I'm not going to beat myself up. And, and but, I, but I'm going to be honest with you and the audience. Like I have not stopped thinking about that game. I was in the yard yesterday raking leaves. I was listening to podcast about other stuff, and I was thinking about it. You know, I was you know drove to Charlottesville and back for work today, and I was thinking about it hmm. in the back of my mind. I'm constantly thinking about that game and i'm not you know depressed about it i'm not lay, i'm not where you know doing this ashes and sackcloth thing <laughs> and being unpleasant to people i live with and stuff but right I, i'm also like i'm trying to think about it from a from the process of why and how you know sure. that's where i'm at with it no that's healthy that's a healthy way to look at it for sure that's understandable now i i, I haven't thought about it much i um I, I, you know, really, it's just been when people have brought it up to me, either in class, you know, when I've been teaching, my students, one of my students said something, and one of my fellow, one of my colleagues said something, and then Boris came out last night with a little paper bag over his head. That was, you know, <laughs> knowing that that had happened, that I felt bad for Boris because he usually doesn't acknowledge anything bad about Auburn at all, doesn't acknowledge that it could possibly happen. But um, I just didn't, I just didn't feel like, being down I because I mean again you have to look at the big picture and I feel like it would be different if this had happened under potato right because then I'd feel like this is just one more slide down but to me this is more of a ask you I was gonna ask you that yeah yeah I feel like this is a hiccup on the way out of the hole not on the way into the hole I've even got a an analogy or something later coming up if I remember correctly but um all right, so here's kind of how I was, how I kind of laid it out. Let me kind of run through my little rant here. Um, you know, there's no point in beating yourself up, feeling bad. I am concerned, of course. I'm disappointed that we finally did lose to a cupcake after all these years, because you know, really, we've been the only SEC program that didn't do that. We know Alabama's done it several times. LSU's done it. Georgia's done it. Everybody, Florida had that game where they lost to like Georgia State or something, and were blocking their own guys. You know, it was just crazy. Uh, we've always managed to avoid that, um, and we've had several near misses. I've already mentioned, um, but you know, again, I don't. I think you have to kind of go all the way back to like the end of Suge Jordan, beginning of Doug Barfield, because I, I know that 1991 Southern Miss was not a great team, but Southern Mississippi people forget in the, in the 80s and early 90s they were really good. They beat Florida State. They beat Clemson. They were like a really good program. Therefore, they had Brett Favre. You know, they were yeah, and they, they, had, they had a lot of Tony talent. Smith. Yeah. They went to the Falcons, yeah. So to me, yes, this is the worst single loss that I, I can think of in Auburn history. 
I people, you know, like I saw somebody say, "Oh, Texas A&M in 2012." Yeah, but that was Texas A&M. Just because they beat no, you bad doesn't mean it's were, a worse loss. Yeah, they were good. Right. This is this is the worst. This is oh, let me, you know what? Let's go ahead and do it. This game. No. 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 I'm devastated. I'm devastated. They're celebrating right in front of me. Yep. This is the worst. That's it. This is the worst. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, and with five minutes to go in the game, I said, "Self, we're gonna lose." And Self said, "This is true." And I said, "But why, Self?" And Self said, "God wills it." And I said, "Should I just laugh about this?" And Self said, "Why you can't, monkey boy?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I, I, I get it. I, I, you know. But, um, but there it was. Um." Yeah, in terms of how I feel about it, feeling emotional, feeling down doesn't help anybody, doesn't help anything. I don't have the desire to feel all down about it under the time for it. As soon as the game was over, I shook my head, I tweeted a couple of tweets about it, and I moved on. And I'm not saying I'm better or worse than anybody else. Everybody deals with things in their own way. I'm just saying that from my perspective, it does not help me to spend time being down if I don't have to. And I've kind of learned the people skill of not being down. And so, by golly, that's what I'm that's what I'm going to exercise. And that's what I'm going to do. And I do think we have the right people in place so that this won't happen again anytime soon. And I know that some people don't want to hear it, but Saban has gone through this more than once. Kirby Smart has gone through this. And, you know, we can talk about comparing this with Hugh Freeze and his record, and that's fine. I'm, I'm perfectly willing to, to, to have that conversation, but, but, I, but it's just a fact that these things happen when you're rebuilding, and we're certainly rebuilding. Um, but I, my little analogy I said was if your car has been stuck in the mud for two or three years, when you pull it out, you might get a puncture in one of your tires, but you're going in the right direction. The future is brighter than the immediate past. You know, things can happen bad on the way out of the hole, not just on the way into the hole. So... Uh, do you have any additional metaphysical thoughts about the game before we get into the physical parts of it? No, I, I think your analogy about problems when when you're getting out of the hole is a good one. I think that's a good analogy. Yeah, okay. and I appreciate that. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, all right. So New Mexico State 31, Auburn 10 is just astonishing. I, I mean. Not just that we lost, but that we lost by three touchdowns. I mean, I know that the last couple came kind of in what effectively was garbage time for them, which is a scary thing to realize. But, but still, I mean, they manhandled us start to finish. And, you know, the thing that was – and we're going to get to this in just a second, but the thing that most concerned me, and I want you to put this in your thinking cap for a little bit, the thing that most concerned me was not that the offense couldn't do anything because that happened all year on and off, is our defense couldn't do a dang thing. How does that happen? They can't hear that. I, I mean, no, I'm pointing at Van because that that was that should be the big concern coming out of this game. That was very disturbing. All right, all right. You asked the question: Is this the worst loss in Jordan Hare? Uh, what are you thinking? I I mean, I think it is. Yeah, I think this is the worst loss of stadium history. Um, uh, yes, they're a solid team, a bold team. So it's tough to say that. I mean, we lost to Southern Miss. The one year we lost to them that, you know, Favre was there and they were great and they beat Alabama that season too. The yeah. other season we lost to them, they were three and nine. That was just an inexplicable day. But it was also kind of the end of the die area. And uh, so 
I don't. I mean, so we, you, and I talk a lot about the modern era of college football and Auburn football, and we yep. kind of start from the, you know, when Die came to campus and and that period. And so I think it's definitely the, yes, the worst loss been that Auburn's had in that period. I think they're, you know, probably some worse losses in the in the fifties when we were really terrible or whatever. But that's, uh, you know, that's just what before we gotta just before Shug, so. yeah. Yeah, right before show got here. So, yeah. Um, so I mean, I, and I don't think it's debatable. Uh, uh, I don't see a lot of other comparisons to consider. Well, I went back and looked at Barfield's five years because that's where some people on Twitter go, mm-hmm. right? They immediately go to Barfield. And you know what kind of struck me? I knew this abstractly, but I'd never, I'd never gone and looked specifically for this specific question. And what I was thinking was, who did he lose to? And what really struck me is, I mean, he lost, you know five, six games a year, except for a couple of years he lost three or four. But they were always to the big they were always the big boys. They were always to Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, maybe Georgia Tech, you know, something like that. LSU or something. It was never I mean, there were only I only found like two games that Barfield lost to clearly inferior programs. And that was were both in like the first year or two. And mm. Suge had lost to the same team the year before. I can't even remember who it was now. It was, oh, Memphis State. Mm. Suge lost to Memphis State his last year, 75. And Barfield lost to Memphis State at home his first year. After that, it was just the big boys that we lost to. We beat, you know, we would beat the, we would beat the, um, he lost to Arizona, but that's not really shame in losing to Arizona, you know. No, so they're they're power five school. They're a legitimate program, right? So it was really Memphis State was the only one, and I would put this worse than Memphis State. Yes, I mean, and I don't know how good Memphis State was at the time, but I probably again because of the level of competitiveness or of for Auburn, it was probably supposed to be a pretty competitive game. We were yeah. probably supposed to win, but we were probably supposed to win by a touchdown or something. Yeah, so that's I agree that this was the worst because. Because it, you, if again, if you go back to Barfield, you still don't find something worse than this. Because and the other part of that matters is again, like they didn't, we didn't just beat us, and we, you know, they came in and kicked our rear end all over the yeah. stadium. Yes, they did. They absolutely so it, were the dominant team, start to finish. Yes, there was no moment in that game that we looked like the better team. Amen. Not for a second on that no. football field on Saturday did we look like the better football team. I felt like it was a kind of a combination of they were they were very good, they were playing over their heads, just having one of those days yeah. where things were working. Yes. But the the weird thing though is they got all those penalties, so they there was something working in our favor, and we couldn't do anything with it. Like they'd go from first and ten to second and twenty or third and twenty-five. What would they do in the next play? Get a thirty-yard pass, get a first down, get a touchdown, run for a fake punt, get a first down. So it's like all those. We got a lot of penalties too, but they got more. But all the penalties they got just slowed them down. Honest to God, it could have been forty-eight to ten without all those penalties. That's right. Imagine what the score would have been if they didn't have penalties. Yeah. So they have a good coach. He was the coach at SIU when my wife was there, I believe. And his health problems are the only reason he got bounced around. He'd have been at a good program all these years, if he not. Was for, at, he was at Minnesota and doing yeah, pretty well there. And then that's he had right. To leave. 
And you combine everything they were doing well with everything we were doing badly, and then you throw in some weird things. Like somebody pointed out, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this in just a minute, but we got a, we got a couple of bad pass interference calls early on that kind of changed how we were playing on defense. And then they just started completing everything. They did. I, I felt like that you could have a serious sense of where this game was going in the first minute and a half. Yeah, because they got the ball and they came out attacking. Yep, we, they they got us off balance on our heels, and we never got our feet under us again the rest of the game. They, we were off balance. We didn't know which way they were going or where the ball was going on defense the whole rest of the game after that. And I think I don't think Auburn was mentally ready to play. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were focused. I don't think we had good energy, and I don't think that we had game planned them nearly to the degree that they had game planned us. They oh, knew Lord. exactly where to attack and how to attack us. And we, like you said, especially on defense, we had no answers. Their yeah. two running backs averaged eight yards a carry <laughs> against us. Good gosh. So that that part was shocking to me. But I think you, at that first series where they kind of got us off balance and they got the penalties and they rolled down the field – they had a bunch of confidence, and we were kind of flat-footed and low energy. That, mm-hmm. And I think that was a you know, real moment. Um, I, you know, the solid verbal coined this thing years ago, the letdown look-ahead sandwich. Yes, right? I was just thinking and, that. And we should have said that last week. Yep. I take full accountability for that part. This was the perfect letdown look-ahead sandwich game, the perfect one ever. We came off the biggest win of the season. Mm -hmm. Everybody's telling the players how great they are. It's the best win. We're awesome. Even on this podcast, people are writing in questions, asking about the Alabama game, not talking about this game. That's right. And you know the players were thinking that way. The students were on fall break, and a bunch of them were gone, and so they weren't at the game, and and so the crowd was less. And then – the Alabama game is the week after this one, so everybody's thinking about that. And I'm going to be honest and say I think the coaches were thinking about Alabama too. Now, I've heard they tried to get the team's attention and tell them this team was dangerous and all that kind of stuff, but it clearly didn't work. So the the letdown look-ahead sandwich thing is real, and it bit us in a big way. Yeah, I, I know that people were saying, oh, the coaches and Freeze didn't have them prepared, didn't have them mentally and all that. And that may very well be true, but I do have the sense that he was tr- that Coach Freeze was trying, but the players just, it was going right past them. They were not here. They were just like, yeah, la, 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 coach. Yeah, sure, whatever. And I think one of the jobs of a, of a coach in any sport is to puncture the mm-hmm. ego of the team when they've had a bunch of success and bring them back down to work like, hey, you can't just show up and and walk out there in the uniform and win. You have to be prepared and put in the same level of work you did before. And I, I think some of it is the talent level of this team isn't high enough clearly for them to do that. And B, they did do that. Like I think they weren't nearly as focused and prepared to play at kickoff as they had been in the past three or four games. And I think that you could see it because it was a both sides of the field thing. And, uh, it, it was the difference, honestly. So it was, um, I, the other thing is the style of play that they played contributed to the, 
it being a problem for us because they played super slow on offense. Mm-hmm. They ate clock. They had they long did. drives. So we, we had limited possessions. We had three possessions in the first half. That's unbelievable. I know. I As it they, was playing out, I'm like, my gosh, we've run three plays. There was a point, like almost the second quarter, where we'd run three plays. They did the Tuberville drive thing to us. Yes. In our stadium. Yeah, I that absolutely – when that that like you said, you could tell kind of what was coming if things didn't change. You knew where it was going, and when I saw that, when they did a long, long drive, time consuming, and scored, we kicked, we ran three plays and punted, and then they started running another drive. I thought, oh no, oh no, here we go, right? We gotta whatever it is that we're doing, because you know, as we're gonna say, the 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 way that we were attacking them really came down to just running the quarterback at him. And I know that was like an option thing. That was his decision. It was the better play. But every play, it seemed like. Well, again, they did that to us. Yes. This is exactly what we did to Alabama in the 2017 game when Hurts was the quarterback. They had great receivers. They had excellent running backs. And they had Hurts running the ball doing the RPO thing. And so we said we'd rather have Hertz run the ball. He'll get five yards, but he they won't get 80 yards like they might with some of those receivers. So we'd rather him do that. So we played off and it set it up. So in the RPO, that was the decision he made every time. And that's what New Mexico State did to Auburn on Saturday. They were like, great, Peyton Thorne, have at it. Have fun out there. We're going to mm-hmm. keep hitting you and hitting you, and you're going to run the ball. Peyton Thorne. I thought he was going to get this killed. This is the amazing thing about this loss. Peyton Thorne went 15 for 19, and we did not turn the ball over. That's incredible. That is absolutely astonishing. That He he threw for like 70% with no turnovers and a touchdown, and we got our tails kicked. Mm-hmm. Because you know why? We haven't gotten to the two key stats, time of possession and rushing yards. Yep. Oh, my friend, wait till we get to that. Well, the time of possession was like 40 minutes to 20 minutes. I know it was not exactly that, but it was pretty close. The rushing yards, I'm just going to let you wait. If you don't know what the rushing yards were in this game, just stand by. Um, All right, you have a note here, the game that Auburn was coached too aggressively. Elaborate on that. I I just feel like there were several times in the game when Auburn was coaches were like, they were like a better who is down in Vegas, and they're like, oh, I got to put a bunch of money and – roll the dice again. I gotta I gotta lean into taking chances. The, on the fake punt, we mm. didn't play the fake punt. It was midfield. It was fourth and two. It was an obvious kind of fake punt situation. Free said they talked about it. We did not play safe like fake punt safe. No. We went after the punter because we were trying to make a big play. We were like we if we don't score special teams, we don't think we're gonna win. So yeah. they were trying to set up a big play either in a block or a kick return and instead they ran. They got the first down easily. Again, they had uh, they had they had first and goal late in the game. They got pushed back, so they had like you were referencing. They had a penalty. Got pushed back. It was third and goal from the eighteen. Yeah. Instead of playing like a safe zone kind of thing and be like, "Hey, great, we'll tackle you at the five yard line. You'll kick a field goal." We sent an all out blitz. They burned it and got a touchdown. Okay, it's third and eighteen against a non power five team. Make them throw the ball in a, 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 over our heads in the end zone or something. Like they're going to throw the ball short and we're going to tackle the guy. That's what was going to happen. Instead, we blitz six guys. They throw it in the middle. The guy walks in the end zone. And then there was another play. We were on defense. 
they it was uh, second down. They got a penalty. It was holding. It would have been. Yep. It could have been like second and nineteen or mm-hmm. third and seven. And we declined the penalty and let it go third and seven. They immediately threw for the first down. Yep. I was. And I, was I was like. I was wrestling with that one because I can see it both ways. There, I'm. A, I'm a big advocate of taking the down away often because. I, you're saying you only get one shot rather than two. I kind of like that. But I agree that the yardage was too short. for. If it had been like third and 12 or second and 22, I'd have taken third and 12. But third and seven is not unmakeable. Well, and if our defense had been playing well, yeah. I get it. Okay, yeah, But our yeah. defense was playing poorly. Mm. I'd rather have two chances More and then much further to go. I just yeah. felt like those were decisions that bothered me. Um, so I, I don't know. Penalties. I mean, the penalties were terrible. The officials were calling way too much stuff, but they yes. called more penalties on them, so we can't say anything. I know. that. Um, well, the only thing we can say, as I said, is that maybe it changed the complexion of the game early on. You know what it reminded me of? Wasn't there a Tennessee game with us a couple of years ago yeah, where sure. we were winning and then the referees just started calling pass interference on us every freaking play? They completed like three yards in passes and scored a touchdown, like 80-yard touchdown, because they just got 15-yard penalties every play. And mm-hmm. it, it made our guys kind of play off a little bit, I was afraid, and suddenly they were completing every pass they threw. I also, but I felt like of some of the penalties that we had were kind of focus problem penalties, right? I feel like if our DBs were 100% focused and ready to play with full energy on their A game, they would cover those guys without an issue instead they were kind of reaching and grabbing because they were getting beat and i think the same with some of the penalties on offense too i think yeah we had holding and stuff our offensive line had a terrible game what was up with the offensive line well i think again they said we're going to take away the running back they were like we're going to stuff our guys in the middle you are not going to run the ball with the running backs and we did not do something else yeah yeah um you haven't. I mean, I'm kind of running through your outline here because you had some good points. Talking about uh, when we schedule teams that aren't good, what always happens? They get good. We scheduled yeah. them when they stunk, when they were one of the worst teams in the Power Five, and now they're a bowl team. So that's just Auburn. That's our way. Luck, right? It's there, what we so. do. That's right. Um, and then our momentum coming off of our famous road trip. Yeah, we had the we had the great. We were on a high last week. The team, the fans, everybody, and it's just poof. Like just big puncture the balloon well, kind of thing. I'm going to say this now then before we get into any specific thing. Go ahead. When Pandora's box was opened, all the bad stuff came out. All the evils and terrible, horrible things. But what was left at the end in the bottom of the box? Two tickets to... No. What was left in the, <laughs> I was to the say, Iron Bowl? Be, what? No, I was, yes, sure yes. Hope. Hope. Hope is left. And when I was a kid and I heard that story, I was like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me, but I totally understand it now. With hope, anything is possible, right? When you lose hope, you can't do anything. This team still has one hope, and it's looming ahead of us on Saturday. They don't have to win, although that would be great. That would redeem everything. If we win on Saturday, it will redeem everything. All is for, At least for me, all is forgiven, all is cool, all is good. You know, everything's square. You had a misstep. You're forgiven. If they play it close and just do like against Georgia and give us hope, show us that hope in the bottom of the box, I'll feel better. I won't feel great, 
and I'll be mad that we lost to Alabama again, but just give me some hope in the bottom of that box, John, and I'll feel better, and I'll go to the stupid Birmingham Bowl, at least on television, <laughs> not utterly, utterly miserable. Okay, that, Not that I would allow myself to be, but that's how I would be if I, if yes, I allowed that's it. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think that's well said. I appreciate that. All right. So how do you want to blame people? Um, I, w- I want to blame the coaching staff. Again, I know they tried to bring the team back, but that's their job. Their job is to prepare the team to play, and the team was not prepared to play, right? So whatever you needed to do, you know, bench people, throw stuff, whatever. <laughs> when, at some, well, again, at some point it's not working. Put in the other guys. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, if the if the if the starters aren't going to play with energy, sit them all down. Well, the dang thing was we couldn't even go to a different quarterback because Thorne was actually playing well. He was he was not playing bad. That's the thing. It's just nobody else was. Who who saw that coming? Who who back in like I game did not two have or that three? Bingo card. Yeah, who back in game two or three said Thorne would be the only player on the offense worth a flip that game? But that's I mean that's pretty much it. Yeah, Fairweather was okay. Yeah, Fairweather. He's he's been reliable in his in his yeah for sure. Um, all right. I thought the whole team, the linemen, both sides of the line of scrimmage, we got pushed around by New Mexico State. That just kills me. Kills me. Here goes the offense. Peyton Thorne, as you said, fifteen of nineteen. That's good. That's good. Thorne led the team in rushing, 38 yards on 17 carries. I'm glad he got 38 yards, but 38 yards ain't going to get it done. And uh-uh. you do not need Peyton. Th- and I know that it's a result of the option. I mean, he he carried the ball because that was what the defense was telling him to do. I get that. That being said, having Peyton Thorne carry the ball 17 times is not good. Unless you're Cam Newton or Nick Marshall, you do not need to be doing that. I thought he was going to get killed. I did. I thought I thought we we're going to lose him the week before the Alabama game. He's going to he get some hits. Yes. All right, here we go. You've been waiting to hear. Auburn's running backs, not counting Peyton Thorne, who might as well have been a running back in this game. Auburn running backs in this game, John. <laughs> in this game, Auburn running backs had... 27 yards. 27 yards. There's there's one of your big, and it's like you said, they took away the run. But again, they also had nine carries to go back to the Thorn thing. We had a limited number of plays, and Thorn threw the ball 19 times and ran the ball 17 times. Gee. Um... Jarquez Hunter got every carry except one. Damari Alston, other than Thorne. Damari Alston got one carry for zero yards, which is and continuing again, to concern me. No one has carried the ball other than a quarterback or running back in the, in the in a game. No wide receiver uh, has carried the ball yet. So, and, and we ha- I, I've said this before. There's no part of the challenge that, and the reason New Mexico State was able to do what they do. There's no misdirection in our running game. You know where it's going when mm-hmm. it's going. That's it. And uh, it's not. It's not fooling anybody. So so when the offensive line doesn't open holes, nothing happens. There was no big plays. No. Like you said this earlier. We didn't get any big – we needed one, a couple of big spark plays to get the offense going. The touchdown pass was the one thing that I thought might be it, but that was the only play in the whole game. It was the only play in the whole game. Uh, the defense. Defensive line got pushed around. 
What did they do? I mean, what what were they doing to they, nullify our defense so bad? I mean, I think number one that I mean they were a they're a good offensive team. They have a good plan. They have good players. They did this thing where they you know they spread us out side to side in the early in the game. You know, swing passes, the quarterback running little screens and stuff on the outside. And then as soon as we spread out and we we're worried about that stuff, then they were doing these little draws and runs up the middle. And that's when their running backs were eating us up because we're worried about that outside stuff. We're worried about the quarterback scrambling around doing stuff. And then, boom, you know, the running back gets through the middle and he's got six yards before anybody even knows he's there. So that was a, that was a big problem. Tackling was bad. We saw that. There was plenty of plays where Auburn defenders had a hand on some money, could not get them down. That's for sure. Nine yards a carry they had? Mm-hmm. Good gosh. So what were we trying to do on defense? Did you have a sense of what I, our plan was? I think, again, we did not adjust the way that we did in earlier games, and I think we can't, felt we could come out and play our base defense and be fine against them. Mm-hmm. But I think our defensive line you know, couldn't – we dominated recently in the defensive line, and they couldn't do it, some of which – is because they had a, a very physical, mobile quarterback, and he wasn't going to stand back there and, and take it. No. Um, he was tough. Full respect to yeah. their quarterback. He was a yeah. dude, man. Yeah. And so that was a problem. That was part of the problem for us. So Did you hear as a former wrestler? He actually picked one of our guys up and threw him down. I was just like, and that got him a penalty, but I think it sent a message, too, that they weren't taking mm-hmm. any crap. Yeah. I was like, yeah, dang, yeah. dude. That's like. Hulk Hogan and stuff. That's like WWE wrestling. That isn't like college wrestling. If your quarterback gets a personal foul, that's got to fire the offensive line oh, up, up so much. So, I know I thought it would fire us up, but I think it did the opposite. I, but and I talked earlier about I think we in the second half of the game we blitzed a lot of secondary guys and it left us vulnerable sometimes. Yeah, um, because we were like we can't get any pressure without that. We could not get pressure on him. We could not disrupt their offense without sending extra guys. And our secondary is making all the tackles, so when they're not in position because of that, there's nobody there to make the tackle. Our defensive line and linebackers weren't making the tackles. It was the safeties and the corners that were making the tackles every play. 100%, yes. Good gosh. Um, special teams. They, I mean, they weren't terrible, but they still got outdone by the other side, right? The, the fake punt was a gigantic play. There was a timeout. We had plenty of time to talk about it, and they came out and ran it, got it easily. Yeah. That was the, one of maybe the biggest play of the game because that was in the middle of a drive, and we had stopped them. We had they were in the middle of a drive. The game was still close. I think it was yeah. what it was ten to seven at that point, or whatever. And we'd stopped them, and it was fourth and two. So if we hold them there and make them punt or don't let them get that play, then we got the ball at midfield down ten seven. But instead. Mm-hmm. They got the first down and continued on down the field and ate another five minutes a clock or whatever. So, Yeah, because at that point was when I was thinking, all right, here we go. It was one of like four moments in the game where I was like, okay, here we go. And then yes. that was followed quickly yes. by, yeah, I guess not. Let's try it again. Let's reload mm-hmm. try it again. All right, last thoughts on New Mexico State. I was baffling. Yes. Baffling to me. I, you know, it was a bad one. We've lost it, you know. Uh, it was unpleasant, and uh, I hope it doesn't happen again. I just want to say they—they, they, I don't know how good of a team they are. Again, they may not ever win another game. I don't know, 
But full credit to them. They outplayed us. They outcoached us. And Coach Kill deserved it. He got it done. Their quarterback was a jerk, but he was tough, and he got it done, and you got to respect that. I mean, they earned it. It's not like somebody stole it from us. It's not like no, we I, gave it away. They this earned is it. a good point you were making. There's zero fluky in that game. Yeah. There was no, you know, in an upset loss, you think, oh, Auburn fumbled the ball a bunch of times. There was some weird special teams play. They had some miracle Hail Marys and stuff. None of that stuff happened. No. Zero. They came into our stadium and pushed us around and beat us by 21 points. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can hate the outcome, but I don't hate them because they, they earned it. And good, good, good on them, as they say. All right. Well, there's, another, there's one more game coming up this season, and as I said, we can find that little bit of hope in the bottom of Pandora's box here. 2.30 Central on CBS. It is the Iron Bowl. Um, how is what happened this past Saturday going to affect what happens this coming Saturday? Well, I worry that it's going to shake the confidence of the team, right, that was probably a little too confident after Arkansas. But, um, you know, I worry – has it shaken them psychologically, their belief in each other and the coach staff and what they can do, what they, you know, because we went through that early in the season where we didn't have confidence on offense and it let, had problems that we finally got to executing better. You know, are they going to snap back to, oh, we're, we can play, we think we can play good again? I worry about that, right? I worry that the, you know, they always talk about the game beat you twice or whatever. Right. Bad result. And so you, we really have to get away from that. I do think the one thing that's going to counteract that is that it's the Alabama game and the stadium is going to be really hyped. Now, I I think the stadium's going to be whatever, 10% less than it would have yes. been. Yes, yes. If we had beaten this team and gone into that game, the stadium would be at 11, but it's not going to be at 11. It's well, let's, like at let, you're right. You're absolutely right, but. If we could somehow start that game off with a big play, a turnover, a touchdown, a kick return, something like that, it will go to 11. It'll it'll well, get there. And not just that. I think the team needs that in this case and not just the fans. If we start on our heels again yeah. and Alabama you know, moving the ball at will down the field and us going three and out or something, I think the doubt – thing is going to come into people's mind in the in the stands and in the team so i think a strong first two or three minutes is really critical really critical yeah or it'll look like arkansas stadium looked i'm afraid uh let's see so i wanted to take a note here while we're talking about the overview of the iron bow real quick alabama fans are now openly celebrating harvey updike and in particular the barstool bama account was tweeting out pictures of him like God up above Jordan hair and everything. And they were saying all these glowing things about him. And I'm just like, we should not be in the position of having explained to Alabama fans why it was wrong to poison the tumors Oaks. They're like, you know, Oh, he killed a couple of trees. Whoa, big whoa. Freaking you don't deal. have to explain. They know exactly what yeah. he did. No, they they don't care. They're messing with you. It's yeah. a troll job. They know the deal. They know what he was, and they don't care. Um, well, somebody on Twitter noted also that Alabama fans have always felt that way, and but they've kind of kept it quiet till it faded a little bit. Now they're being more open about it. And uh, I, I mentioned it to, to our friend of the show and, a, and recent co-host, Delvin, that 
we've always known that Alabama people harbored those attitudes. We've always known how they are. It's not like we despise them for no reason. This is part of why we don't like them, because they're like this. That's it. All right, so Alabama, this is a team that I feel like if we, well, I was going to say if we'd played them in the first two or three weeks of the season, we, I think we had a good shot at them. The problem is the first two or three weeks of the season, we were hot garbage too. So both Auburn and to, to a degree, and, and Alabama for sure, have gotten a lot better over the course of the season. It's just that they've continued to get better. Their defense has always been good. It's played better. And they've found – I wouldn't say they've found an offense, but I would say that what I've seen of Alabama the last four or five games, they've figured out their limitations and are playing within them, whereas they were – at the kind of like with Gus, you know, the first several games they knew what they wanted to do and were trying to fit the round peg into the square hole – and now they've realized what they can and cannot do, and they're they're putting more of a square peg into a square hole. You know, it may not be the offense they want, but it's the offense they have, and they've they're maximizing that. Yes, they're they've increased their efficiency by stopping doing things that weren't working and focusing on the things that are working, and they've kind of learned who they are. And that in the Gus analogy, yes, and it's working for them, but it's not. And they've gotten better, you say, as the season goes along, but they're not the same level of you know doomsday machine that we have seen in other seasons. <laughs> I don't have that one anymore. I don't think. In fact, I've got, got I've got, got I've got, got the, I've got like what the hell is the world coming to? But I, That's I don't perfectly perfectly fine. Oh wait, here it is. Uh, huh. What are you? Some kind of doomsday machine, boy. I, I I get my Smokey and the Bandit and my Live and Let Die quotes kind of mixed up sometimes. The <laughs> sheriffs both, do kind of overlap in my brain. There, they do. It's it's in the South and chases around you know this the deep South and this sheriff and everything. So they kind of overlap, but yeah. Um, so Milro, what do we think about him? He can throw, kind of. They've got good receivers. They can get the deep ball. He's not like a Joe Montana passing machine, but he can chuck it deep every now and then, and they're able to make a play. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah. No, but again, he's averaging sixty-six percent completion. He, but where they really, where he's really good is the deep ball. Yeah. He's not great at kind of the short control exactly. passing. Although they figured out which of those he d- he does well, but I think the other thing is, like you said, they've limited the number of passes he throws now. They're only going to throw the ball about twenty times in this game. He's going to, you know, complete about fourteen or so of those. And the key is that you know they of those fourteen, they want to have seven or eight where he's throwing the ball forty yards, fifty yards down the field. Yeah. So we have to be ready for that. You know, Burton and Bond and those guys, they want to go deep. They, you know, they're especially the, when they were struggling on offense, it was cut, they were kind of that chuck it, he's down there somewhere thing. Yeah. And that's a little bit of what their offense is. This is the worst rushing offense that Alabama's had in over 10, 15 years, probably. Wow. So they're, they're not great at running the ball, but a big piece of the running game is Milrow. He's really good mm-hmm. running with the ball, he's very athletic. He can make plays, and he's strong too. Like he's a good runner. He's physically strong, and he can make stuff happen. If you rush and you leave big lanes open, he's going to get it. So you can't rush. We talked about this with Jaden Daniels. You can't rush like an out of control crazy person and leave, 
you know, weave him space because then he's going to come behind you and get 10 yards easy, no problem. You got to be under control, contain him. And then, but also, I think our secondary is really good. And their receivers are fine, but they're not the receivers they had two or three years ago when they right. had that all pro group with Devonta <laughs> Smith and Waddle and those guys. Those guys are great, but they're gone. They got Burton, they got Bond. I think our I think our secondary, DJ James, Pritchett, Scott, and those guys can cover the Alabama receivers and limit the big plays. I really think that, and I think that could be the key to the game for us to have a chance to stay in it. Because I don't think Alabama can line up and just run the ball and and knock us off the ball and roll up and down the field. I don't think they can do that. Um, Their offensive line, yeah, they have – Sometimes I mean they they give him enough time to do a lot of damage. They don't get in his way, but they also give up sacks and they, tackles for loss. They've had issues, and, and that's a, again we saw that with Arkansas. It was a problem for them giving up sacks and tackles for loss. And Auburn's take advantage of that. Auburn's defensive line made plays. This is an opportunity in this game for Auburn's defensive line to do the same thing. So, twenty six yards they rushed against Texas A and M. Alabama did. That's and again, that was a game where the the, Al, the Texas A&M defensive line really owned this Alabama offensive line, but Milrow completed a few big passing plays, and that was enough. That's it. That's all they needed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we think, oh, this is Alabama. They're you know they're killing everybody. They're awesome. You know, they're they're wi- you know winning every game, uh, you know, by huge margins. But I just want to go back to this for one second and look at okay, who is this team? Let's just take a step back here for a minute. Let's go back a few weeks. Yeah, they beat uh, they beat Ole Miss twenty four to ten. Okay, uh, they beat Mississippi State. They, you know, they beat Texas A and M twenty six to twenty. They yeah. beat Arkansas twenty four to twenty one. They beat Tennessee thirty four to twenty. They beat LSU forty eight twenty eight when they knocked Daniels out of the game. Remember, it was like one score at that point. Oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know what you see here is. They're good and they're winning these games because they're executing well. They have a good quarterback and they have a really excellent defense. But they're not annihilating everybody. They're not destroying people. These teams that Auburn was competitive with were competitive with Alabama. I know. I I look at this game. I'm going to save it for just a minute. But in in just a minute, we'll talk about kind of what we think is going to happen. But I'm really torn about it, though, because I can see the path. But I can also see how they've played against every other team. And I, uh, it's tough. I mean, I worry about their defense against our offense. Okay. Our offense has been the shakier part of our team. And, and Alabama's probably the best top to bottom defense we played, right? AM's line was better. Georgia has a lot of great athletes and five stars on their defense, but probably top to bottom, Alabama's defense is the best. I worry about our offense against them. Can we run the ball against them? Consistently, I don't know. You know, can we can Peyton Thorne make plays and, and find the open guy, deliver it on time and our target against this defense? I don't know. So that's the part that I worry about. I think we can manufacture enough stuff, but I also think like we can't assume going against them in that defense that it's gonna be enough. So we're gonna have to pull out the bag of tricks stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I always think about 2009 when an inferior Auburn team nearly knocked off the undefeated national champion Alabama team by doing stuff like onside kicking and reverse kickoff returns and stuff, yeah. And this goes into what you said a minute ago about a a quick start to the game, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Onside kick, opening kickoff. 
It's like that's a we're stealing a possession. I, I'm just saying like that, a fake punt. Mm-hmm. Um, these are things that we need to think about in this game to try to steal a possession away from them because I don't think we're we'll able to line up and just roll up and end the field on them. Yeah, straight up, it doesn't really favor us. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. But of course, I felt that way in 2017 also, and we well, or I, two years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, played, we went into this game with the. That's the poster child. We went into this game with yeah. a one-legged T.J. Finley and hung with him. That's right. Did not see that coming at all. So, um, let's see. Uh, so, what have we not talked about? Special teams. They actually actually have pretty good special teams for once. They actually have a good kicker for once. It's crazy. It is. They have a good kicker. They got a good punter. The guy returned a punt return for a touchdown for them last week. So. Unlike some other years when I, that was really a, a big weakness, and it, I think Auburn special teams are still excellent. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I think we're better than them, but there's not like they have a big weakness there either that we can take advantage of. We talked about the crowd. Um, we've got to keep the ball and not keep putting our defense out on the field. That's one thing I worry about is that we're going to keep mm-hmm. putting the defense out on the field. That would make the game close at halftime and a blowout in the fourth quarter, I'm afraid, if it do, if it goes that way. Because we, no, yeah. we can play 30 minutes with them, I'm afraid. I don't know if we can play 60 with them at that rate. Well, you're right. There's a, there's a count. There's, there's some number, like, how many plays our defense can play. And it's like 60 or whatever. Yeah. And if it's like – if we're in the 80s – we don't have enough guys on defense, and we're going to run out of bodies. And you're right. They're going to be breaking big plays. Ugh. That's how Bear used to beat us in the fourth quarter. That's why Pat Dye said 60 minutes, because he understood that. All right, so overall feeling about this game. How do you think it's going to go? How do you think it's going to come out? I mean, I, I think Auburn is going to be competitive. I mean, it's insane to say after I do too. No, I do too. Saturday. I think Auburn is going to be competitive. I think they're going to show up. I think I'm going to be honest. I think one of the reasons we lost the New Mexico State game is because we were thinking and focusing too much on this game. Yes. I really, I really 100% believe that players and coaches were thinking about Alabama, maybe even practicing for Alabama. Maybe. And I think that impacted what happened on Saturday, And but also think we'll be better prepared for this game. But I, I worry about the confidence thing. But I do think this stadium and the crowd is the one thing that could pick the team back up and give us some energy. If we get a little bit of good play early in the game, I think we can hang around the whole game. It makes me think in reverse of like years ago, Alabama was going to open the season against Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech, this was when Alabama was great back in like the late 70s, beginning of the 80s. And uh, Georgia Tech said they practiced the entire offseason for Alabama. They practiced every day the entire offseason for Alabama. They came out and beat Alabama in the first game and then finished like 1-10. They lost to everybody else. So this is kind of that at the other end of the season maybe. We're practicing for Alabama. So I'll, I'll take 7-5 and five if that 7 includes the Iron Bowl. That's fine. I'll take it. I, again, we're back to a team that has way more talent than us. Yeah. Rather than this current Auburn roster. So we're going to have to have some breaks go our way, and we're going to have to make some breaks. We're going to have to take some, ch- like you were talking about, we have to take some chances. We mm. can't play conservative no. in this game. We can't no. play the, like, like don't play to lose or don't play to play to lose close or whatever thing. We're going to have to take some chances and, and be aggressive in an attempt to win the game. I feel like it'll be close for at least two quarters. Um, I think at the beginning of the third quarter, we won't, we will, I don't think that it'll be any worse than us down by one or two scores at halftime. What's really going to decide it 
in a lot of cases is the beginning of the third quarter. Do they start ratcheting it up and, and bearing down on us, or do we shake them up and close the gap and take it into the fourth quarter? So let's like see that. let's see what happens in the first five minutes of the of the third quarter, and if we kept it close enough that we can make something out of it. But um, I don't know. I have hope. I don't have confidence really, but I have hope. So that's fair. That's better than not. Well. Two big basketball wins this week, and I don't care. I'm excited to talk about basketball because this basketball team is coming together. It's funny. People thought my tweet about the basketball team after they won the tournament in New York was about the football team being really good. I'm like, no. They're like, how can you say that they are coming together and playing really good? I said, because they just won the tournament in New York. Why do you think? They're like, oh. (laughs) they. I mean, this looks like a team that has the best of what we've done the last couple of years plus some new shooters. Um, Aiden Holloway is a revelation, a step up from what we've had at the guard. Uh, This team is always, you know, well, every team in the NCAA tournament is determined by guard play. But this team has always excelled when it has a good point guard. And I think they have a couple of good ones now. The, The main thing that's in our way right now, other than just still learning, you know, to play together, the main thing that's in our way right now is they do kind of get in foul trouble, particularly uh, Janai Broom continues to struggle with everything he does, gets called as a foul, and he ends up sitting on the bench, and Dylan Cardwell has to play a lot. And I love Dylan Cardwell. He's awesome. Um, but um, I think when their basketball careers are over, KD Johnson and Dylan Cardwell ought to go on the road as a vaudeville show or something because they're really entertaining, the two of them. are fantastic guys. But um, they've just got to figure out how to do stuff without constantly getting in foul trouble. That's, you know, we're well, I, deep, but we ain't that deep. As Sonny Smith says, defense without foul. Amen. I got to get that on the soundboard, um, yeah. So I, I think that's big. I think this team needs to get a little bit better at defense um, and a little better at rebounding, I think. But they are incredibly fun to watch. They yes. are a pleasure to watch versus some other Auburn teams recently, which were, nah. you know, <laughs> won games but it was not pleasant it wasn't no, fun no uh this team is fun they're exciting they're dynamic they're enjoyable uh the you know the last minute or two before the half against saint bonaventure was some of the most fun Holy. Auburn basketball in years that was like pure good stuff that was incredible uh, so everything I'm, that could go right went right in that last two minutes that's right auburn had here's another one Auburn has scored on on 70% of our baskets, there's been an assist. So that means it's not guys playing one-on-one. It's teammates setting up teammates and delivering a good pass to get a basket. And I think that says something about this team. It starts with the point guards, but it says something about the rest of the team, too. They're playing a lot of team basketball. They're making the extra pass. They're setting each other up for good shots. Instead of being like, well, I'm open, I'm just taking it. And they are really buying in and i think you could see i mean to me it seems like they're more supportive the bench and the and the team seems to be cheering for each other more and being a little more into supporting each other and and that just there's a little more harmonious and it's easy because we're winning and but everybody's only playing about 15 minutes so that's the other part is like you know we got 10 guys that are playing you know about 15 minutes a game and that's what the, how the numbers break out, but it's working. And because we're so deep against that one or two guys, different guys per game, Denver Jones hadn't done a whole lot, but that St. Bonaventure game, he was perfect. 
So, well, we've got the old team and the new team together. It's like we're playing two teams meshed together. We've got the old team, which is like Jalen Williams and Chris Moore, and maybe even KD. He's been around a while now, and um, you know guys like that. And then on the other hand, of uh, Dylan Cardwell, and then on the other hand, you got the new guys, Aiden. Ho- and, oh, uh, Trey Donaldson, and then on the new guys, you got Aiden Holloway. Uh, Broom was new last year, but he's kind of established himself in the in the middle. Um, Denver Baker Mazzara, Baker Baker Mazzara, uh, Denver Jones, and uh, at least one other guy I'm forgetting. Jandy Johnson. Yeah, I mean, it's like two completely separate good teams, and you put them together, and and once they and they've started clicking much faster than previous yes. teams because so many of them have been together for several years now. And these new guys are all really good and they're starting to mesh really well now. You get all of them together, this this team could do some things. I mean, the only thing that really concerns me is they don't have a Bryce Brown type two guard yet. They've got some guys that are okay, that are better than what we've had. But we're still kind of leaning on our point guard to be the outside scorer, like with Wendell and like um, to a degree uh, before that. I, 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 we, we need somebody to kind of emerge. I mean, even Jabari Smith was like the one guy that could reliably shoot the three on the, on the, on the team two years ago. I, I really would like to see a two guard. I mean, we're never going to get another Bryce Brown. I know that. He was exceptional. Once in a lifetime, but somebody that could come close to that would be really nice, you know. Or in, if it takes like by committee, that's fine. And right now, it looks like it's by committee. That's fair. But I, I this team is shooting the ball up from outside much better. Oh yeah. And you're right. I I mean that is a dramatic difference. And also, I appreciate they're shooting their free throws better. Yeah. Which is a big pain the last couple of years. I was worried. I I noticed that Broom didn't have a great free throw shooting night at that tournament, but but Dylan Cardwell did, which kind of made up for it. He had a Cardwell had a good, really couple of games. And the last thing I'll say about it: How cool is it that we have now played Notre Dame one time in the major sports and we're undefeated against them? I really like that. One yeah. One and zero. We've never played them in football, but we have now played them in basketball and beat their socks off. And then the St. Bonaventure game too. I mean, that was the thing. You know, we beat Notre Dame handily on Thursday, where St. Bonaventure barely squeaked by whoever they played. I forget Oklahoma State or somebody. Oklahoma State. And I thought, oh well, maybe we got the weakest of the four. Oh no, I think we were clearly the best team in that tournament because we crushed St. Bonaventure the same way we crushed Notre Dame. And St. Bonaventure is a, a, a good example of an NCAA team that's dangerous to other teams. They were one of the most experienced college basketball teams in America. Mm-hmm. They had more returning minutes and experience than almost anybody else in America. And that, so they were a veteran team. They had played a lot of basketball. They knew what to expect. They just couldn't do anything to stop I want another crack at Baylor now. <laughs> it makes me mad we, that we... We may get another shot at them. Oh, gosh. That was made me mad. All right. So we've got Alabama A&M at Neville at the Peacock, uh, 7 o'clock Central on Tuesday. So as you're listening to this show, probably later tonight, you will hear Auburn or be able to see on the SEC Network Plus. So... That's one of those where you need the two tin cans, right? Or you need to screw it onto the back of the TV. But well, okay. get, yeah, don't assume you have it if you have SEC Network. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah so SEC the radio net- broadcast. Network Plus. Yeah. All right. 
That's good. So basketball. I'm glad we got to talk about some good basketball a little bit. They'll get some games in here before Christmas and then get into the SEC uh, SEC schedule in the beginning of the new year, and that's awesome. Uh, John, I got to say that our Kickstarter that we did for first time ever, the book about the 1989 Alabama-Auburn game in Auburn for the first time ever, the Kickstarter ended a few days ago. Uh, The book is no longer available to new customers. It will be available sometime in 2024. We make no promises, warranties, or guarantees about when, but sometime in 2024, depending on like what we do, you know, if we have a book signing it at the university or something like that or not, we don't know. But um, it was very successful. Over a hundred different people backed our Kickstarter and I'm going to be mailing out over 150 books over the next probably two weeks. I'm going to be quite busy after work for the next and over the weekends for the next couple of weeks mailing all this stuff out, Get, carrying it to the post office. That should be interesting. But um, I've got the paperbacks in. I got Jared's artwork in today, so I'm going to start boxing up the uh, packaging up the paperbacks and the artwork and sending them out this week. And I'll be hopefully the hard covers will come in in a few days, and so next week I'll be sending those out. So if you got a first time ever book through the Kickstarter, you should be getting it in the next probably two to three weeks, if in fact. God Wilson. That's right. Uh, let's see. Oh gosh, I totally forgot that we have to thank the patrons. Uh, and we got to check in on the Las Vegas race. I was so concerned about this New Mexico State game and the Iron Bowl uh, that I forgot to open all this stuff. Oh, no. I, I can talk about the, the college pick while you're doing Do that. that. That would be fantastic. You're all a genius. Right. Uh, Van's favorite soundboard bite fight, uh, Frosty, remains in first place. Frosty! With the 88 correct picks. I tied with Bill Miner. The two of them are up at the top alone. And then it's a couple back is Eric Morgan and Josh Corbett and uh, 96 Pile AU. So they're uh, two back at 86. Van and I are six games back at 82 picks correct. Um, we're still tied. We got a ways to go. Uh, but it's going down. The, it's going to be close. Not many games left, yeah. and uh, it's going to be tough to catch these guys at the top, but I think we can do it. So we'll see, but uh, very strong performance so far, and I, I can't wait to see how it finishes, if, if somebody can pull ahead. They got some tough picks this week, man. Tough yeah. picks. Oh, I know it. I'm just so glad you were able to uh, get this together for all of us because it's always fun when we have a uh, – it's always fun when we have some kind of a – uh, of a deal like this going on that people can sign up for. And, <laughs> and I want to, that team uh, every week changed their name. And it says, if I had a dollar for every Missouri win, I'd have $9. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, I'm looking at the fantasy formula one thing now. And I realized that what absolutely killed me this week was that I had Lando Norris in, I, I replaced Lando. I used the wild card this time. So I had Lando Norris instead of Piastri for my McLaren driver and Lando got negative 14 points. I should have realized I was in trouble. I forgot that I had him as my guy because he went out on the first lap, crashed on the first lap of the dang race. And so um, that means that with one race left to go, Teamy McTeamface is now 
101 points ahead of me. I'm in second. Tiger Transit's in third, about 112 points behind me. And then Mississippi Racing in fourth, about 50, 60 points behind them. Cheeky Nando's, Sir Bacon the First, Albi Mobile, Scuderia Aguilaguerra, Smokescreen 45, and Solitaire. It's been pretty much the same top 10 teams all the way through, but, you know, you can get as many as 350 points out of one race weekend on this thing. And so the top, there was no movement this week in the top eight, but this whole thing could shake up. We could get a different one, two, three, four depending on what happens this coming weekend. So we'll see who wins the Fantasy Formula One Challenge. Um, Let me see if I have anybody else or anything else to mention. Uh, No, we have to go to the Thank the Patrons. This show does not have advertising other than when we advertise our own stuff, obviously, to let you know about it. So we depend on you, the listener to be part of our show as a patron and uh, keep things going here. Keep the lights on at the White Rocket Studios. So we have to thank, and I'm trying now desperately to get this to work, we have to thank the following fine people. Uh, By the way, we start with Samuel Salvatore, and I have to point out that Samuel was pointing out to me that last week he will be... uh, going to the Iron Bowl this weekend and he will get he will be honored for being on the Kick 6 team from 2013. He's very excited. So, he was a part of the 2013 Kick 6 Iron Bowl team and that is so awesome. So, congratulations Samuel Salvatore. We you're a very good friend of the show, a very strong supporter and we appreciate you tremendously. We also have to thank Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crackham. I didn't say go to www.auwishbone.com if you want to click on the big orange button to be a patron. Dr. Crackham. Logan Chilton says he wants to play, but instead he's playing. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, uh, David W.D.E. Salmons, Esquire, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. Ufan at KSC. Mark says, I have no words. I know. I know. Well, if you looked at everybody in the stadium and at home watching on Saturday, you would have said, I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. And that applied to men and women alike. Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, newly minted history PhD candidate, Wynn Carroll. Please clap. There you go. Phil Amthor always reminds us. No! No! No, I'm devastated. I'm devastated. They're celebrating right in front of me. This is the worst. This is the worst. No! John doing his interpretive dance and Boris is walling around. Uh Uh-oh. Boris's paper bag just fell off of his head, so he's now... It was you all along, Boris. I should have known it was you under that paper bag. Oh, it's all clear now. Uh, Richard Stevens. Steve, poor Richard had to put up with all that waiting on his turn. Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, Alex Brown, Auburn Football's Elvis. And this is, he says, this is not Auburn Elvis. This is our new patron who says this is, uh, he was, 
he was the walk-on long snapper in the Bowden Oliver Tuberville days, and Coach Tuberville called him Elvis during those days. So he's Auburn football's Elvis, and we welcome him to our program. Um, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob W.D.E. Salmons Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tiger, Sleazy Shyster for you know where. Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Boris says, bring back Guess the Game. Well, Boris just took his paper bag off his head so he can tell me if he wants to. Calibrating their fun meter in the back booth of... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. Oop, hit the button too soon. Sorry. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, why do you build me up Buttercup just to let me down? Because we got to, you know. We got to get better at celebrating. Well, we got to get something to celebrate about. Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Earl Ricks, Bobby. Frosty. Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. My credit card was declined at the sweater store, so the cashier swiped my card again. Hey-o, hey! <laughs> <laughs> no one fights like Gaston, Algorhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owens, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, Todd Robinson, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, does anyone else feel like Charlie Brown when Lucy pulls the football away this week? I, they pulled the football away and barely gave it back to us in that game. Wiggle Wiggle, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, our very own, just took his bag off his head, Boris the Tiger, what? Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Corey Smyer, David D, David Simpson, Di Bama, who is also at Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. A lot of our folks seem to hang out there. Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone. Oh, we're using our made-up names for the book that I'm Spider-Man. Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors. <laughs> Pausing the sleaze jokes just out of respect for the season. Just know I'm still thinking. Oh, I know you're thinking it now. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch. You'll notice we didn't go there tonight, John. Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87. I don't think our listeners want to hear that. Uh, Woody the Jag, not most of them anyway. At the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. Alex Wynn, I never have done my hot pepper sauce tasting episode. Hmm. At least this podcast would be New Mexico. At least this podcast would be New Mexico State fan podcasts. I'm not sure I understand that one, but I get the, kind of the gist of it. Hey, you falling up. Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Charles Mooney, Chris Cummo, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger. Starting to lose my voice here. Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. I just got to get through tomorrow's classes, and I'm out for like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I got a five-day weekend if I can just get through my four back-to-back classes tomorrow morning and afternoon. You can make it. Uh, I'm going to try. We, uh, we got to get better at celebrating. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Otsuki, John Stubbs, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rain says the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dead for Life. Mark Squire, MVP, Captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly helped you forget about the New Mexico State game. My favorite button on the new remote on the remote is pause. I am Tiger. Please clap. That's right. New York Tiger will keep it simple. Beat 
Bama War Eagle. I hey, please clap. I give that. That's uh, that's. And I say you. Amen to that. Nick Craig, Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky. I'm at the bottom of this list because. Rod Wilson. Back Hawaii, you can, the monkey boy. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brian Albanese, Brant Rumble, plus our one-time anonymous donors. I think it's interesting we now have multiple Boris accounts and multiple Elvis accounts on this thing. It's a little disturbing. I it is a little bit. It is a little bit. I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. It is. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. The next thing, of course, with the worst transition in all of podcasting. Still got to fix it. Got to get the better version. Coming up, we have listener questions, of course, and around the SEC, which could be interesting. But first, it's our weekly look at the miscreants, ne'er-do-wells, and dumbasses who collectively constitute this week's worst coaches in the world. And, you know, I only managed to put one together this week. I could talk about Florida's coach. I could talk about quite a few. I could talk about ours, honestly, this week. But I decided not to do that. I'm limiting it just to one. And it's not one that just got fired. It's not one that's, you know, really terrible, terrible, terrible. But it was one of these, it's one of these got the dreaded vote of confidence type deals. Right. When does that ever work out? The vote of confidence never does. Sam Pittman of Arkansas, the school not only issued a press release, they issued a nice glossy color graphic press release saying that despite all the factors and contrary to all logical expectations, he will still be the coach next year. As shocking as it is to conceive by all concerned, and I think we're all concerned in one way or another, he will, in fact, still be the coach next year. When, John, has this ever worked out in the long run? I haven't thought of one since you asked that question. I was no. thinking, has it ever worked out? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's it. John, Sam Pittman, in a sweep this week, thanks to the Arkansas administration, you are this week's Worst coach in the world. And now for the second most awkward transition in all of podcasting. Thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. Van, our listeners have thoughts. Oh boy! Well, this show's already been going on for nigh under three and a half hours, so let's let's just keep it going. Keep right, it going. First, keep this, it going. This first one, Samuel Salvatore, you just mentioned. Yes. This was a during the game email. Oh gosh. He sent us and said, "Wow, yeah. this is awful." 
Never yeah. have I seen Auburn play so poorly ever in my life. Even the 2012 team <sighs> won their cupcakes like nothing. This yep. is unacceptable. And so much for the Iron Bowl next week. Who cares now? The coaches should be fired for this <laughs> display right. of prepping. Very unacceptable <laughs> and embarrassing. Go basketball. It, it, I was with him until it was obvious it came during the game. And I'm like, okay, we need to, we need to back off a little bit because we've kind of established that we think that we can still we can still salvage things. So There's a reason we don't record the podcast immediately after the game. Exactly. Um, and it's not just Game email, of Thrones anymore. Next email is from listener <laughs> Paula Perkins who says, first of all, War Eagle anyway, but can we stop with the Nick Saban loss to ULM's first season stuff? Second, did we stay in Arkansas last week? Third, Van, <laughs> you were right. It was a trap. Yep. He, she says, I was so excited for the Iron Bowl, but now not so much. It's I will do as I, she says, I will do as I always do. Show up and get loud. Love Amen. you guys at War Eagle. Amen to that. Right. No, that's, I 100% agree. That's all we can do is just show up as always and make our presence virtually or in reality clear to everybody. And that's what I'll be, I'll be yelling in my living room as best I can do. Uh, next email is from a friend of the podcast, Jared, the yard yes. sale artist, who says, he says, if I'm Hugh Freeze, I take down every flag in the stadium other than the United States flag, and then I put up just one of the flags, mm. a New Mexico state flag. Oh. I tell my players, my staff, and myself that Jordan Hare is not Auburn territory and will remain so until Auburn wins at home and will be doing will be leaving it up the entire offseason. Do you like this plan? Or do you think I'm leaning too much on my military side? <laughs> Bless you guys for what you do, especially in the hard times. Oh. A you wishbone for life, Jared. Oh, Warrior Jared. No, I was just doing the meme myself of the Jack Nicholson, you know, grinning and nodding. I think it's exactly right. You declare Jordan Hare is occupied territory wholly owned and operated by New Mexico State, and you make them hate it just as much as we already do. I, I think I, I'm, I'm down I with that. I would print big posters of New Mexico State's running backs running over us <laughs> and their defensive players running yes. over offensive players and put them in the weight room oh. for the entire offseason. I mean, we, do we play them again next year? <laughs> or do no. we? And okay. You're not, you're not sad about that, but still, no. I mean, it would be nice to get a little – revenge but if we were confident that we would but yeah that's no i, right. I think jared's 100 on, ta- on target i like it i like jared's idea a lot all right our next one is uh from preston settle who says you got to put your thinking cap on for this one are you ready mm. he says john and van what are the mm. top three and bottom three job head coaching jobs in the SEC for 2023. So who did the best and who did the worst among the SEC coaches for this season? All right, well, I mean, I'm one of these people that feels like the best at things usually get overlooked. Like Max Verstappen never wins driver of the day, but he wins every race. That's not right. They always give it to whoever came the closest to challenging him, you know. It's because he's a schmuck. Well, he is, but still, I mean, he's the best driver right now. Um, and it's the same thing with Saban. Saban, Saban doesn't win a lot of stuff because people just go, "Oh, it's Saban." No, I, I'm, I think he's done an excellent job this year, though, adapting this team and refining them yeah. and working with what they can do. Well, where I was going with that though was Kirby Smart. Yes. Everybody's going to say, "Well, he's just on autopilot. He doesn't have to do oh. anything." Mm. 
he built this team and he's running this team. Well, but also we saw that team play Auburn a couple months ago. They are way better now. They yeah. have gotten so much better during the season. Mm-hmm. That team is going to go to the playoff and just absolutely kick some people's rear end. So smart and Saban, blah blah. Drinkowitz. Yeah, no, I think you have to say he's. It, 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 you know, in other words, if you don't give it to the obvious, oh him again, guys, then he's the guy, right? Yeah, I agree. All right, what about the bottom ones? I think Arnett and Mississippi State, the switch of the offense, I think none of that stuff worked well. We, well, we knew it was – I mean, nobody – neither you or I don't think thought he was going to be successful there. I right. hate I it. Think I hate it for Florida, him, Napier, they've had a lot of yes. problems during games. They do yeah. not look like a well-coached football Yeah, Arnett, them. Napier, we go Jimbo? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't, he what didn't about get Sa- it done. He made the big decision. And What about South Carolina? I, I think South Carolina's was more – they just didn't have the horses on the offensive line. And I think that if they'd yeah. have had decent players up there, I think they'd have been fine. I don't think they're like I they don't when you watch them, they don't make the kind of big, stupid, colossal mistakes like Florida does routinely. <laughs> I love to hear that, by the way. I that's just music to my ears. Oh, the big colossal mistakes like you know, like Florida does. That's just that just warms my heart to hear that. All right. This is next email's from Scott Crankton who says the title of his email, the subject line is, These are the times that try men's souls. Amen to that. He says, Gentlemen, do I dare take all that I own and bet on Alabama to win Saturday only to have Auburn let me down again? <laughs> That's not quite what we mean by let down. That's not quite what we mean by letting down, but I, I get it. I get it. I get you kind of hedging yourself there. I get that. Yeah, I get you. All right. Uh, it, next is from Logan Shilton, and the side of the title of his email is "At least we have three point shooters." <laughs> he says, "Gentlemen, this is one of those weeks where not doing the podcast immediately following the game is very helpful." Bingo. I don't know that this loss significantly affects the long term trajectory of the program under Freeze, exactly. and I'm sure we'll still recruit well and see improvement from year one to year two. But the ability to completely snooze through a game like this one is a worrying indicator of the mentality of this regime. Since I'm sure you've answered this question of where this ranks on an all-time loss, my question is this. Mm-hmm. The Freeze detractors have long said that while he will recruit well and get the occasional big game win, he also goes for an, a, is good for an egg here. And there. Do yeah. we think this trend will continue or is an outlier for us? Thank you in advance for the therapy session this week. We all need it. War Eagle Always, Logan Chilton. Then he says, P.S. I must apologize for putting the fuel marshal effect sound effect in last week. No poll needed. He is, in fact, not back. I hope we bust him down to private or promote him to audience <laughs> member. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And, and um, oh, no, I had the greatest thought ever. And then it just, what was, it just went out of my mind. What, right, what was right before the thing about fuel marshal? He, he asked about, uh, you know, do we think this is a trend with freeze? Oh, right. Thank God I remember. Okay. No, here's something nobody's mentioned in that. People keep throwing out the, oh, this is what freeze does, what freeze does. When has freeze been at a school like Auburn? He's, he's been using smoke and mirrors with, with less talented rosters on smaller programs like Arkansas State and Ole Miss and Liberty. Um, I'm, I'm, 
I'm trusting that once he gets a solid foundation under him and actually has good players at every position and has a competitive roster comparable to LSU and Alabama and, and Georgia, whoever else, which I think we will eventually, then we won't do that. I don't know that it's like – I mean, people are acting like there's some programming flaw in the code of his offense or defense or how he coaches – and I think it may just be that you can't go undefeated every year with Liberty or Ole Miss, you know, with those players. I think there's something in the code. I, here's my view of it. I think there's something here to the level that I'm going to keep my eye on it. I'm okay. not saying it's no, that's fair. a definitive flaw, but I'm going to say this. Would, if we lose another game where we're more than a 10-point home favorite, we're going to talk about this trend on this podcast. Okay. You can write that down right no, now. No, for sure. No, He's, no. I, I, but 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 I want to see what he does when he has his players. But, That's all I'm saying. I but I'm just saying, like in the years at Ole Miss where he beat Alabama, they mm-hmm. also lost other games where they were big favorite. And so it's a there's a little bit of that. Maybe it's a handle success thing, or it's a you know you know not playing even keeled. I, one of the things I thought about a lot after this game is. I think the what you see the Savings and the Smarts and the best coaches and other sports do is the team, the expectation is the team plays to a standard all the time. We're not playing. We don't have to worry about the we get up three or four times a year thing. It's we're playing against ourselves and against what the expectation is. And we're clearly not to that place yet. Um, all right. Great. Next question is from Josh, uh, Josh Corbett, who says, John Van, Albert has done what I thought would never happen at this program. We have seen and laughed at other SEC schools lose to these teams. I was at this game, and from the first, they drew, from the first drive, the whole thing felt off. Campus was dead. The tailgates were empty, and on top of that, the stadium wasn't even close to full capacity. Before the game, I saw a New Mexico State player taunting our players walking into the locker rooms before warmups. Didn't think much about it at the time, but now that I see a player that could back that trash talking up, I was not of the fans that were leaving early. That's not what I do. I sat through 2012. I can sit through this. <laughs> now, now into my observations. We were lucky enough to get invited into uh, the Nelson Club at this game. We had a direct view of the Auburn sideline from our seats. There was no energy. There was no players jumping up a day waving towels like they normally do to pump the crowd up. It's like Auburn thought they could walk out there and sleepwalk through this game and get mm. ready for the Iron Bowl. Yeah, This is not the team we saw play Vandy or Arkansas the previous two weeks. I believe Freeze took his hands off the offense this week and told Montgomery, here, I need to go recruit Cam Coleman. Mm. Um, I need you to run the offensive show this week, and he completely floundered that. Tell Van to cue the soundbite. I do not have which, facts to back one? this up. Uh, I believe this is what happened. I don't have facts to back this up. We as fans deserve full effort from the players and coaches alike, and obviously uh, New Mexico State delivered their full attention as well. Mm. One question this week, guys. Does this wor- hurt worse than losing to Florida State, or will that loss never be topped? We're equal to both of you, and thank oh, you for no. all you do. No, this this hurts in the sense of I can't believe I, we finally screwed around and lost to a cupcake. But they weren't it, a cupcake. They were a hard to digest nugget. They Nothing. were it's much it's embarrassing. Yes. 
Yes. To a divorce degree. Okay. The, the, uh, nobody thought we were even going to be in the game with Florida State, and we should have beat them. So I just yes. will never get over that. That's the Florida State the one. I'll never get over because we no. were winning it then. Yeah. Yes, that just makes I. Ugh. That's um, one where I said, "Screw it, I'm going to be miserable for a while." Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to be miserable for a while. I didn't feel that way with this one. This one, I just was embarrassed and wanted to think about something else. Uh, next question is from Richie Butler. says, I keep hearing the team just didn't want or need uh, on the sideline of the New Mexico State game. Is it because all the transfers and new guys just haven't come to this point together? No real leaders mm. or camaraderie that was built over the years together? That's interesting. Just a concern of the new transfer portal world? Warty, War, Eagle, Richie. No, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Could be. I think that's it's fair. It's possible. Um, it is fair. Like, this isn't a team that they've been together for three or four years, right? Yeah. But I think, right. in my mind, one of the things that we think about this game is, like, every part of the team was that flat. It wasn't like the mm. defense was bad or the offense was bad or special teams are bad. It was all bad. <clears throat> so I don't think you could point to that. I think the whole team wasn't ready to play. All right. Here's, I like the theory, uh, though. That was an interesting theory about how Freeze was out recruiting and 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 didn't think that it could happen, maybe, and, and we yeah. you know paid the price. All right, this is the next one from a friend of the program, Delvin. Yes. Who says, uh, just a question to generate some discussion. If we look at the whole of what Co- Coach Freeze has said and what he's done, I think he's operating this whole season like it's a mulligan. Not in the sense that he never tried at all, but more in the sense that he knew – it would be enough if he fielded a team more competent than the year before and really got to work on, on the year two beyond. I mean, look at some of what he said, that he came in and said the cupboard was non-existent, let alone being bare, the vast majority of efforts going to recruiting, and he's leaving the game in hands of coordinators, that points out the talent gap for the tough games we played. Just based on his coaching on field and his recruiting, is his plan working? Was it a sound plan in the first place? How do you and Van feel about the future of the program? Well, I said early on in the show, <clears throat> excuse me, that I, it's the fact that I do feel good about the future that makes me not as concerned about this as I could. The, because I feel like the wheels coming out of the, out of the pothole is better than feel like the wheels going into the pothole. And I know there are some people that don't feel that way. And that's fine. I mean, y'all feel however you want, but that's, that's how I see it. That's a good question. No, it is a really good question. I, and you're right. I think he has been focused on the future. And, and I think it's reasonable. I, we talked about this. I, my def, the, I said I'm going to measure him in 2025. And I think the biggest thing they needed to do was get high-profile recruiting classes in. And they're doing that. Yeah. they got to keep those recruiting classes together yep. you know, and deliver it at the end. But we've seen this staff been able to do that. So I think they can do that. Yeah, Honestly, my biggest concern every game that we've lost this year is not being, oh, no, we lost, because I wrote this season off before it even started. My big concern every time we've lost this season is, oh, no, how is this going to affect recruiting for next year and for 2025? That's, that's, right. that's been my first thought every time. My first thought is, oh, no, how do I feel as an Auburn fan? My first thought is, how does Perry Thompson feel? That's, that's it, good. It is. It's his. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. Yeah. All right, we got two more. Our next one's from Willie Carden, who says yep. the title of his email is A War Damn Poem. <laughs> he says, War Eagle, distinguished gentlemen, take a stroll with me down Auburn disappointment memory lane. Oh, Lord. Here we go. <laughs> he says, I sat teary-eyed as a heartbroken sixth grader in the stands of Jordan-Hare as Florida State defeated Auburn 34-6 to in 1987. Uh, I was there for that one, too. 
I sat brokenhearted in 2002 as Georgia completed a TD on fourth uh. on a frosty night at Jordan Hare to win 24 to 21 with a minute 25. Minute. I was there for that one too. God. He said in 2018, I watched Auburn blow a lead and lose to uh, Joe Burrow in his first season as an LSU yeah. quarterback on a blistering day in Jordan Hare where people literally passed out in the stands. Mm. In 2019, I sat next to Van as Auburn nearly overcame a deficit to defeat Georgia by scoring two touchdowns in the in the fourth yep. quarter, but ultimately coming up short. Yep. Van jinxed it, and I have facts to back this up. <laughs> you, you, sir. I don't have facts to back this up. In fact, maybe you should. Blame yourself. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, then, Willie. Go ahead. And then he goes on to say, and I state this all to say, Thank goodness I was not in the stands to see whatever this was on Saturday. Oh, Lord. He says, P.S. I forgot to list my tickets for sale since we did go to the game, but if I had sold them, I would have felt inclined to issue a refund plus a <laughs> fee for pain and suffering to the buyer. <laughs> he says, War Eagle and go to hell, Alabama, Willie. Amen to that. Great, great job. All right, Willie gets uh, listener email of the week. I like that one a lot. That was great. That was very I good. One more. This is from Jim McCrory, who says, uh, factoid, I think every Auburn freshman class since 1979 has beaten Alabama at least once in their four years. Mm. Because the potato lost the 2021 game, mm. Auburn needs to win this one to keep the streak alive. Yeah. Bama's similar streak goes back three years before Saban was hired. All right, I've thought about this. And, and by the way, Jim's had put together some really good Iron Bowl stuff we don't have time to talk about tonight because, my gosh, the show's coming up on two hours. But I'll say this. Um, Saban has not beaten us more than three years in a row ever. But this year could do it. So good. we need to win. He's never beaten us four years in a row. So we've got to win to keep that from happening. That's right. We've beaten them six in a row recently. But they haven't beaten us more than three in a row. And that was, let's see, they won in eight. We won in seven. They won in eight and nine. We won in 10. They won 11 and 12. We won 13. They won 14, 15, 16. That was it. 14, 15, and 16 mm. yep. is their longest streak. And then 2021. And then 22. we won 17 and 19. And 17 and 19. And so 2021 and 22, they're on another three streak right now. We've got to win for that, for that if nothing else. It's truth. That's it? That's it. Great All questions right. this week. Oh, really good. Yeah. Let's take a trip around the SEC, John. Let's take a trip around the SEC. Come on. Come on, man. So let me run through this really quickly so we can all go to bed. Uh, let's see. Georgia beat Tennessee 38-10. Georgia's just looking tough, man. Missouri had a struggle win over Florida, but they got it done, 33-31. South Carolina somehow I, – I, okay, I tried to watch the 15-minute highlight package on YouTube of South Carolina beating Kentucky. Halfway through it, I got so bored I turned it off. <laughs> I think that's what happened to Kentucky. Kentucky got so bored in that game, they just turned it off. I'll be honest. I was I continued to watch college football Saturday night after our game ended. I watched uh, Washington-Oregon State, and I watched Kansas-Kansas State. And I occasionally would flip over to this game, and then I'd be like, ugh. Yeah. Oh, it was horrific. Uh, let's see. Then there's a bunch of, um, cu dare I say, cupcakes, except we don't want to talk about certain one. Coming up this week, this is a big one. Thursday is the Egg Bowl. 
You know what we do on Thursday in the South, John? We eat turkey, we eat dressing, we eat green beans that have been cooked for five or six hours. That's how I cook them. Uh, in fact, I'm going to make, I'm going to fry turkey. Uh, my wife's making Yankee mashed potatoes, but they're the best mashed potatoes you ever had. And I'm going to make cornbread and, and gr- green beans slow cooked over the stove. If I could get a really good tomato to go along with that cornbread and green beans, I'd be in Dixie heaven. Good Lord. Um, I'm not a big sweet potato guy. Uh, uh. You look at some of the sides that people around the country put with Thanksgiving. I don't even know what planet they're living on. Salad? And the, the green beans that, that, that people in the North make, they ought to be slapped in the face. They ought to be ashamed of themselves calling that green beans. you got to be kidding me. I'm going to put them on the stove for about five, six hours. Cook them down. Cook them down. I can cook a barbecue. All right, so Ole Miss at Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl is at 6.30 Central on ESPN. I'll be certainly – that's always a fun game. Yep. And it's almost always the team you don't think is going to win. There's no way that happens this year, though, right? It's at Mississippi – again, we've said that before. Yeah. It's at Mississippi it's State. Always. they got an interim coach. Oh, it's the Cadillac game. Here we go. They'd love to spoil it. Um, Friday, Missouri at Arkansas – 3 o'clock Central, CBS. That could be interesting. Arkansas kind of trying to revive themselves. Missouri trying to finish out. And then, of course, Saturday, Kentucky at Louisville. Louisville's like 10-1. and one. Did you know that? Louisville. Oh, yes. Louisville's excellent. They're going to play for the, for the ACC title against Florida State without Florida State starting quarterback. They may win the ACC. They may win the ACC. Get the They're, crap out of Louisville's really good. So right. there's, no, there's no gimme for Kentucky. The annual LSU beats Texas A&M game. I mean, I don't, I don't remember A&M ever winning it. It's always LSU. Has been always will be. Again, A&M secondary is not good. That's a problem. Oh, they're in deep, deep, deep trouble. The LSU quarterback is going to have 800 combined yards. Mark my words. Um, Alabama at Auburn, a little game you may have heard of, 230 CBS. Vanderbilt at Tennessee. Uh, Vanderbilt could have a chance in this game if they had anything, but they don't have they got, anything. They got zero. Florida State. At Florida, Florida State missing their quarterback, right? Is that what you were just yeah. saying? So it's going to be – I was oh, not Lord. expecting that game to be interesting without him. Now it's interesting. I'll pay attention. I'll watch it. Uh, Georgia at Georgia Tech. Tech's been playing a little better the last few weeks. They're not the terrible 1-10 Georgia Tech team they've been the last few years. They're up off the mat. They're a little scrappy and dangerous. They're going to they're hang around a little bit. Um, and then finally, Clemson at South Carolina. I'll say this. Clemson was garbage, hot garbage early. They've kind of gotten it together. They beat Notre Dame. They beat North Carolina. Didn't see that coming the way they started the season. Yeah. South Carolina is much worse than, than at least I expected. This could be an interesting game, but I expect Clemson to win by two touchdowns. I think South Carolina, it's at South Carolina. I think they'll give them all they want. All right. It's going to go to the fourth quarter. Clemson may win, but it's going to be down to the wire, I think. Could be an interesting football Saturday. Yeah. Could yeah. be. What's our non-conference game to watch? I'm gonna give you two Friday night Oregon State at Oregon, right? So they Oregon State at oh, yeah. Washington. That was a good, miserable looking game in the rain. Yeah, last weekend they got to play at Oregon, who's you know looking as good as any team in the country right now. That'll be really fun. And then uh, Ohio State Michigan noon on Saturday. No hardball. Like Ohio I State. Just, I just don't understand how these really good Big Ten and Big 12 games are at like 11 o'clock in the morning central every week. Well, it's one of the things that happened is that like Fox in particular looked at that time slot and said, 
There's too many good games at 3.30 in the evening. If we get a primo game in that noon time slot, we can own the noon to 3.30 time slot, and that's what they've done. No, they Yeah, they have. And, yeah, the how did Oregon lose to Washington? I know Washington's undefeated and they're really, I, really good, but I, I thought Oregon would win that. It was at Washington. Yeah. Okay, so it was in Seattle, and well, the crowd was great. It was a really close competitive game. Yeah. yeah that, that was... But – they may play again in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, I think they will. And that's going to be a heck of a game. All right. We are now the, this show will be a little shorter because I compressed some parts of it. But we're looking right now at one hour, 56 minutes. I think we've covered everything. Are you good to go? Hit the eject button. I'm good to go. Man. Let's put this bad boy on ice. John, our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.